Nickelodeon Animation in Burbank, California. This is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Hector Navarro. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something absorbent, something yellow, something porous, something spongy. That's right, we're diving deep, deep to get to Bikini Bottom and into the worldwide phenomenon that is SpongeBob SquarePants. For this behind-the-scenes look at the sponge, we're talking to supervising producers and showrunners Vince Waller and Mark Ceccarelli to have them tell us how the heck they keep things fresh after 10 seasons and 200 episodes. Are you ready, kids? I can't hear you. so much for coming in. This Pleasure is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. When when you were a kid, did you decide I think I want to work in animation? Where did it start? Well, for me, even though I was completely enamored with Warner Brothers cartoons and watching them, you know, on the three times a day that we had access to them. Yeah. Whatever came up, I was just glued to the set whether it was Sniffles or whether, you know, it was uh, you know, some wild Bob Clampett cartoon with people getting shot in the face. <laughs> but it never occurred to me at that point that I might actually end up in animation. I didn't even, I was at that point, you know, because they were already starting to ship stuff overseas and they were, you know, everybody was like, well, they don't even do that here in the States anymore. And yeah. I'm from Texas, if you can't tell by that. <laughs> um, so I didn't really have high hopes of doing that. And I wasn't even sure that I was going to end up in the art field. I, I started in the business doing caricatures at Six Flags Over Texas for uh, basically a dollar drawing. Uh, but through that, I, I met people in comic books. The yeah. comic books led to animation and then here. What comic books did you do? Uh, my friend Bob Camp, who was also in animation, everybody knows, and worked on Ren and Stimpy. He got uh, hired at Crazy Magazine, whose editor was Larry Hama. Larry Hama also did Savage Sword of Conan, yeah. Savage Tales, basically G.I. Joe's. Yes. He you know, pretty much invented G.I. Joe. Uh, I just started sending him drawings, for, and I bugged him with drawings for about two years with him just sending back notes saying, well, this is stupid, and this doesn't make <laughs> sense, and this is that, and you should do more. This is too flat, and whatever. And then one day he bought one, and actually when he bought it, I, was, uh, I had come to California to try to break into animation and found that I had no portfolio. I had very, very little <laughs> skills, so I ended up washing pots at the Huntington Sheridan. But I was sending Larry my stuff, and he bought one of my pinups, and that was pretty much all it took for me to go, I think maybe I'll go to New York and see if I can live there. And then you went to New York. I went to New York. How long were you in New York? Uh, seven years from when I got there wow. till when Bob and I then moved towards animation. So right when you felt like you were a New Yorker, you moved out of there? <laughs> yes. I got the flavor for it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, but it's a, it's, you know, it was... For the first couple of years I was there, it was like, well, Vincent, what are you going to have today? A sandwich or a thing of Hagen does? These are your choices. <laughs> so it's not the easiest town in the world to live in if you're not yeah. rolling in bucks. Absolutely. Mark, what about you? When What kind of stuff did you love as a kid, first of all? What did you love? Well, probably my first big cartoon love was uh, Popeye. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up in Bakersfield, but we would get uh, a channel from L.A. called um, KTLA, yeah. uh, Channel 5. Mm -hmm. And every Sunday there was a three-hour block of Popeye cartoons. Uh, uh, and of course, I love Disney. Sure. I loved all the Disney cartoons growing mm -hmm. up. I think that was, you know, I, I, I was tended to be like drawn towards the, uh, the more physical comedy type of cartoons. So it was <laughs> generally the more classic cartoons that sure. I was into. During my teenage years, I, I got more into like horror films and, yeah. and, you know, surreal films, directors like, you know, 
Alejandro Jodorowsky and mm-hmm. David Lynch and, you know, all the, the really weird guys. And yeah. <laughs> so then I went to uh, CalArts as a, in, in the live action program, not in the animation program. Oh, cool. Yeah. But did you make the switch there at CalArts or, or? Well, I when I was at CalArts, there was a, a job posting on the, the job board uh, for uh, somebody was looking for somebody who knew how to make puppets. And I worked a lot with uh, puppets and sculpting and effects type stuff. And uh, that person happened to be uh, Doug Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> and uh, at the, the time, he was. If you don't know. Yeah. At the time, he, I think he was working on um, Rocco's Modern Life. And, uh, you know, I kept in touch with him and, and worked on shorts with him over the years, doing doing stuff with him. And eventually, I started editing his shorts. And then. He was sort of like my back door into animation. Cool. So, yeah, I got I got sidetracked for about ten or fifteen years. Um, I, I ended up working for a um, a company called Don Post Studios, sculpting Halloween masks, designing and sculpting Halloween masks, making the things that I used to look in the back of horror magazines, going, oh, "I wish I had the money to buy that one. <laughs> oh, I really wish I had the money to buy that one." I've probably worn your work on my face. Cool. So thanks. <laughs> Vince, you were on Ren and Stimpy. I was. How did you get on Ren and Stimpy? Was that through New York? Was that in L.A.? When did that happen? Uh, no, that was in L.A. I'd uh, been working at Deke on a show called The Real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And on the same floor, John Chris Valusi and my friend Bob Camp were working on Beanie and Cecil, which was for Deke. And about six months into that production, they actually walked in and told everybody to put their pencils down, and they all left. They were all fired. Wow. Then Bob and John and Jim Jim Smith, Len Naylor, Jim Gomez, uh, all started Spumco, where they were trying to pitch these cartoon ideas. And then at some point, they pitched their cartoon to Vanessa Coffey. And she chose, she's like, well, these are all nice, but I like these two guys. Who are these two guys? And yeah. she was pointing at Ren and Stimpy down in the corner. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, well, that's Ren Hoek and Stimson and J-Cat. Or they basically, they got the pilot. And I knew they were working on the pilot. And one day I went over to uh, uh, John's house for one of his parties, and there was a, a George Licker storyboard there, one that never got made of George Licker taking Ren and Stimpy hunting. And during the party, in my most inebriated fashion, I went through the storyboard and basically pitched it out loud. <laughs> and the next day I got a phone call, and I was like, ring, ring, Pete. It's like, yeah. He's like, hey, it's John. I was like, John, okay? He's like, yeah, John. He's like, you're funny. You want a job? He was like, yes, yes, please, I want a job. Please let me go work on cartoons. <laughs> that is where I need to be. That's hilarious. So talking about the long history of SpongeBob SquarePants and its origins and where it came from, a lot of that original crew came from Ren and Stimpy, yep. came from Rocco's Modern Life. How do you guys think that those shows influence the style of SpongeBob? Other than... The fact that they were all cartoonists that were just re- up up until Ren and Stimpy, when you were a cartoonist and you were working in animation, pretty much someone handed you a script and yeah. they said, draw this exactly the way it's written, mm-hmm. don't change anything, and then I'll give you notes on it after we're done. Yeah. So after the Spumco thing, that was cartoonists actually being trusted to tell a story, trusted to do their job. Yeah. Um, and I think... That empowered a whole lot of people that kind of expanded exponentially from Spumco and bled into, you know, all, you know, because that just naturally attracts good people that want to tell a story. So I think, you know, a lot of when Spumco ended, a lot of, you know, those people had branched out and it was just fortuitous that they they had were able to hone their chops as far as learning storytelling whatever you know natural abilities they had already that you know they just if you actually get to do it you get better at it and uh, I think it was just. Uh, you know, right at the 
right moment when those people went on to the SpongeBob crew, met with Steve, and his little idea that developed from, you know, when he was going to be a marine biologist, teaching kids what algae was <laughs> with SpongeBoy. Mark, you are relatively newer to the SpongeBob family. You came in around 2011, is that right? 2010-ish. 2010-ish. Do you remember where you were when you first heard of SpongeBob SquarePants? Like, what did you see? What did you think of it? What did you make of it as a sort of outsider looking at it? Yeah, I, you know... I, I always stayed uh, interested in cartoons. You know that never went away. Of course, so, it doesn't go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I kept I kept up on like the cartoons that I liked. I mean, Ren and Stimpy was so inspirational. I mean, when I was at Cal Arts uh, in the live action program, I was I was like so like envious of everybody in the animation program. I was, I was like I I think I made a mistake. <laughs> you know, because yeah. that was around the time that that Ren and Stimpy dropped, and it was like it just blew my mind. That's crazy. Like, to well, think that they could actually still make cartoons, you know, now like they used to. Was that the vibe at Cal Arts too? Is that what people were were kind of talking about and stuff? Yeah, there was a lot of you know, you could see a lot of people like heavily influenced by Ren and Stimpy yeah. on, the, on the walls. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we started getting lots of portfolios full of full of drawings of. Eyes bugged extremely. It's like every pose was a giant take, and it's like, I know that's what you think we're doing, and that's great that you can do that, but we need to do the stuff before that, too. Yeah. You have to do a calm drawing that's also appealing. When I was uh, at CalArts my last year there, there was a job posting for Ren and Stimpy mm-hmm. on the wall. Oh, man. And, and, you know, I had always still drawn, so I did... I got a bunch of my my little doodles like that I thought were within the the realm of, of the Ren Stimpy world, <laughs> and I went down to uh, you know Kinkos and copied them all and and put them in a, in an envelope and sent them there, not thinking anything would happen. And um, I came home to the apartment one day and there was a, a a call on my answering machine and it was from Vincent. No way. Yeah, and he's. Did you it, know this? Did you, um, did you tell me this? I, I think I have, <laughs> okay, but. This, <laughs> It was from Vincent. He said, he, he says, you know, this is Vincent Waller on Ren Stimpy. We really like your, and I guess I can't say it on here, but he said, your effing drawings. <laughs> but we're not, we're not hiring right now. But it was such a great oh, thing man. that he, oh, like, he, wow. like, he, like, took the time out to actually call me and, you know, well, tell me. Because we really liked, liked his effing drawings. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in the world at this point has at least seen an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. How do you guys go about making an actual episode step by step? What are the processes? What? Do, how do we do it? It starts in a room full of crazy cartoonists <laughs> that basically just sit around and go, okay, what have we not done? What can we do next? Um, and start bouncing ideas around. And we, you know, write them on little cards, just like every writing, you know, every writer group and stick them on the board. And some of them, you go look at them months later and go, what the heck were we thinking <laughs> when we even said those words out loud? But that's how you get to the gyms by, you know, yeah. digging deep and pulling up everything. Going, well, maybe, maybe. Oh, my gosh. A lot of times there'll be like like orphaned cards on the on the wall that that, you know, we're like, what was that one we don't idea? Remember. It's like there'll be like two words. You know that are supposed to like sort of like describe the the idea like yeah. a title or something, yeah. and we'll we'll all be going like, what was that idea? What 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 does that open up to? And nobody can remember. Yeah, obviously, these two <laughs> words weren't going to be enough to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no context. It's just random like words that yeah. you're like, I, we don't remember what that was. Yeah. That's but so when funny. we do find one, <clears throat> when we do find one that sounds like it's it will actually have legs, we then roll out the whiteboard. 
and usually make Doug Lawrence or Mark because he's he actually Mark when he writes it he makes sure that the lines don't dip down to the right that ends up taking <laughs> up most of your whiteboard with trying to fix everything just as they're just falling down <laughs> yes. down down yeah so Mark has a, he's he can be a little anal about that so it goes a little straighter and it's it's much <laughs> nice. more clear but it's nice. either him or him or Doug usually I've done it a couple of times but I hate being up there and having to like distill everybody's thoughts and mm -hmm. then put it into a line but they're wow. both very good at it and then we just start building the story back wow. and forth and you know well they could do this they could do just this collaboratively everybody mm -hmm. in the room throwing that together right. at what point do you guys go okay this is the story do you do you have like a certain structure that you're trying to fill out you go okay well this is our you know we have like a three-act structure yep. and this is how spongebob yeah. does it that's and, basically it okay it's for 11 minutes three it's a very short three-act structure but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have all that then what happens do you uh, assign it to a writer what's we, the next step we take a picture of the board just in case anybody comes in and erases <laughs> it and we don't remember it and then yeah we uh Sometimes we assign it. Sometimes it's just who's up next as far as, you know, has available time to sit it sit and, and yeah. figure it out and, and make it into a solid piece of work. Um, or if someone is particularly drawn to it, sometimes if it was their idea, you know, they, they would like to chase it to the end. This is a zany, crazy show, obviously, but there's still rules. Like, what are some of those rules? I think those are a lot of the rules in SpongeBob are, are character-based rules. Like this character wouldn't do this. This is out of his character because because you know SpongeBob's a very has very strong characters, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so successful and it's it's lasted as long as as. And so so most of the most of the rules are, are character-based rules mm -hmm. yeah. because what? obviously we don't have a lot of physical types of rules in the <laughs> totally, show because yeah. it's a surreal show. Yeah, it's it's really just things that don't ring true with character. That oftentimes you know somebody will have SpongeBob doing something and it's like. Mm, can you make him not look like he's mad when he's doing that? Because yeah. he doesn't really have, I mean, he gets mad, but it's never pointed at somebody. His yeah. his anger is, you know, it's it's not, it's diffused. It's a general, you know, thing, a very specific thing that's getting him upset, but he would never turn and go, you're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes the people will draw express, expressions on him that look like that and go, yeah. if you just soften that up so that it's more an internal thing he's feeling, whereas Patrick, you can, you know, make him get mad at anybody. Mm -hmm. Squidward, you can obviously make him get mad. That's at one anybody. of the great things about, <laughs> about SpongeBob is that characters are so different that, uh, you know, if you write a gag for a character and it doesn't work for them, you can, a lot of times you can like transplant it onto another character yeah. that it does work with. <laughs> Happy birthday, Squidward! Happy, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Jake! Happy, happy birthday! Pin the tail on the seahorse! It's not my birthday! Who is your favorite character? Uh, to draw is is probably Patrick and Plankton because they are the quickest and the easiest. But. Honestly, it fluctuates. I, I like them all for different reasons. Yeah. You know, uh, working with Sandy, you know, being as she's from Texas, too. Because yeah. we all started there. So uh, <laughs> I have a, an affinity for her character. But even though she is really hard to draw in that suit. <laughs> I guess for me, it's SpongeBob. I love SpongeBob. Yeah. He's so malleable. You know, he's yeah. he's the guy who can, like, transform the most. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, drawing, he's, drawing him is, is really fun. Mm -hmm. I, I really like uh, Sandy as well. I like... What I like about Sandy is is she's like this 
she's supposed to be this rational center of the show. Yeah. So so very often we can like make her go crazy and yes. it's extra funny yeah. when she goes crazy. <laughs> Just talking about comedy in general, mm-hmm. when I tell people about how difficult it is to play like a dumb character, I think it's very difficult to do and pull off. And Patrick is, he's yeah. all time. And he's if, all you, if you ever get a chance, if you haven't done it, to come in and watch him in that room over there. They put him inside that room because oh. Bill can be a little gassy. <laughs> um, it's actually just so that he and Tom don't talk over each other. But we put him in the room over there, and you can see Bill when he stands in front of the microphone. It's like, first off, if you don't know Bill Fagerbaki, he is six foot five at least. <laughs> and he's when he's getting ready to do Patrick, he stands there, and it's like sometimes his arms go up. He's like, oh, 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 never would have guessed. Now will you show me what's inside your secret box? No, SpongeBob. It's for me to know and for you to never find out. You may be an open book, SpongeBob, but I'm a bit more complicated than that. The inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. SpongeBob was a board-driven show, and now it's a script-driven show. So I want to ask, first of all, what's the difference between those two? And how and why did SpongeBob kind of make the switch? The way cartoons were originally made, they were made by cartoonists because it's a visual medium. And when you tend to write a story in a, in a board form, when you go straight to the drawings, you come up with more visual gags. People who write scripts tend to, ha- they tend to be very wordy, you know? And, and it's, also, it's also really odd in, in animation for people to want to go into animation um, as script writers, yeah, you know, most people enter animation drawing. So a lot of people who write scripts in animation tend to be um, people who are slumming it on their way to somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like people who want to write for sitcoms or got it. Uh, recently, we had to find um, a new writer, and we we got you know a stack of submissions, a giant stack of submissions, about a foot and a half high stack. <laughs> yeah, Mark was just showing with his hands. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and, you know, they were all, like, dialogue-heavy. Mm-hmm. And it, a, a lot of people who write scripts have a hard time describing visual gags. Really, all the cartoons that, that I've been drawn to yeah. have come from a board writing uh, place. And we s- recently switched over to scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our writers, most of our script writers, actually come from board writing. And we won't start a story if it doesn't have a really good visual hook to you know to to hang the story on yeah like if, if it doesn't seem like a story that's gonna open up to a lot of visual gag type yeah. possibilities then we tend to like push that one aside sure, for, for sure. one that that, that has a, a good visual hook at what point is the script ready then what happens after that uh well we skipped a couple we we go from whiteboard to premise and then we throw the premise up the line to make sure that nickelodeon doesn't have any like problems with the story if they mm. like the story and they go go ahead that's usually like about um one or two paragraphs to just to, to hit, describe this just the high point just get that that uh, approval <clears throat> and then it from there let's go script then we well we flesh out an outline <laughs> to make sure it's all there um and then we go script and yeah. then for the okay great <laughs> the outlines are usually about uh three pages long they're broken into three x structure yeah. and then we take those outlines and we you know we pour over them and we we make changes we all all the writers together. It's a group grope. It's, yeah. yeah. We just go through it, and anything that bugs any of us, <laughs> uh, we, we you know voice the concern to the room. It's a very democratic process on yeah. our show. 
it's a room full of funny guys. Yeah, so. who, who can make who laugh the loudest? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, those people will laugh anything. Hey, don't sweat it, kid. I got them all warmed up for you. Put your fins together for SpongeBob SquarePants! jellyfish have you ever noticed salt shakers i mean you fill them up every night at closing and i mean where does it all go huh you know what i mean oh brother this guy stinks hey hey funny guy i got a joke for you what smells rotten and puts people to sleep um not just gas no your act <laughs> How long typically is this script for a, an 11 minute episode? How long is that? How many pages? Um, we we're shooting for 13. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when we started on season nine, uh, different writing crew, uh, I was whipping with a bullwhip and not able to get them below 25. Another reason <laughs> why it's good that cartoonists are writing. Um, but now they're around 13 pages and some uh, someone will take the outline, they'll go off and they'll flesh it out and they come back in with the first draft and then again we sit in the big room wow. and, and flip through page by page and it's like page one, anybody notes? Notes and you know about half the time it's you know illiteracy notes yeah it's like this ewer is not the right ewer for this um but uh it's also just you know i don't understand this piece can you explain that right, to her? can right. we come up with something better um and uh you know you, you know you're uh on the right line uh, on the right line if if you get chicorellied at least once during that <laughs> during it, which is uh uh mark gives notes in a very funny way <laughs> and what what way is that what is that well it's like <laughs> it's a little pointed. It's, it's a little it's, pointed. It's, it's pointed, but it's, it's pointed. Haha! It's not pointed to yeah, actually demean yeah. you or make you feel bad. Yeah. But it definitely, if you weren't, of, if you weren't of good humor, you'd be going, "Why does this guy hate me?" But yeah. that's not what it's about. He's really doing it out of love. Today's first lesson will be on turning. Twenty-four. Hey, Patrick. What? I thought of something funnier than 24. Let me hear it. 25. <laughs> That's enough! What happens when the script is ready? What's next? Then we uh, pick which storyboard artist we think uh, of, of the, the four we have working with us, which one would it would lean towards their strengths. Or uh, sometimes it's just a time issue. It's like, who has one? Who needs one? There. But uh, we prefer it if we can lean it towards, like, I would really like to see how Brian does this or how Fred does this or how John does that. Um, what are some of those strengths specifically? What are some things that you're like, okay, this, this episode has a lot of visual gags. Well, like so. Kelly Armstrong, uh, you know, who was an animator on Ren and Stimpy, is now doing boards for us. Um, she is extremely visual. She, you will, you know, send her off a thing and she will send you back stuff with emphasis on places <laughs> of the action that you would have gone, oh my God, I would have never thought to, to juggle hamburgers on SpongeBob's butt <laughs> and murder them to the music. And she just does these things that just, they're exciting for other cartoonists to see cool. and go, yes, I would like to work on that. Please give this yeah. here and I will make this <laughs> sing. Has there ever been a point where a story gets up to that point, to the script being done, about to be handed off, where you guys go, you know what, this isn't really working, trash it? Very rarely. But that happens? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. it can happen. Yeah. Wow. We are told the other day, we, we can do up to three a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've never, we, we haven't. haven't hit. We yeah. haven't. Wow, but, you uh, guys can reject up to three. This is kind budget of wise. Budget-wise, yeah. We can, we wow. can eat three scripts if we decide that they're not going the way we want them to go at the end. 
has there been like drastic enough changes to make something work when maybe it wasn't or was if something it works you know it from the beginning and then it goes all the way through it's a lot of that we, we yeah. haven't had a i don't i don't have any epiphany moments that are jumping in <laughs> yeah. my head to go and then we did this and it became stellar yeah. <laughs> um the epiphany happens at the beginning with like you know yeah. you guys in the room yeah. and, then, you know, yeah. and then all along the way like when we get the stuff back from our board artists mm -hmm. you know you're just like i would have never thought he was going to do it that way but yeah. i'm so glad he did it's um and and as far as the collaborative effort, that goes all the way through because after the uh, the storyboard is done, mm -hmm. uh, you know they pitch it to us and um, we give notes on that. But we don't actually expect them to attack those. Those are stuff we're going to do from that point forward. We take it and then uh, do our our notes on it, and then it goes basically. Then we record it, and then we build an animatic of it. Mm -hmm. And we all sit same writers in the room going over it, how to make this funnier, come up with gags for it. Wow. Um, and then do re-records if need, if need yeah. be? If we need to. Wow. Um, but then it, uh, after we've done our plussing with the animatic, building the animatic, then we uh, we give it to what we call the plussing crew, mm -hmm. which we have uh, three is uh, run by uh, Adam Poloian, uh, Sherm Cohen, and David Cunningham. Dave. And, and Dave, yes. <laughs> and Dave Cunningham. <laughs> and they're, they're also amazing crews. And they have... I, I wouldn't yeah actually it's carte blanche we we give it to them and say anything you can think of to plus this and make it better within the time frame we have but at that point if they come up with gags or anything they 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 can put those in they may not make it through that's you know nobody can be precious about their work here because yeah. you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't time constraints we'll we'll take a gag out or put a gag in depending on how good it is but it just stays collaborative all the way through and after they've done it we build another animatic with the finished product from there mm -hmm. And do the same process again, where we look at it. How can we plus it even further? Touching on something that he said, that's something you have to learn. I found really early in in this industry, is you can't be precious about any ideas. One of the best things I think about television animation is the schedules. Is yeah. is you have to have it done uh, quickly, and the turnover rate to the next idea is is so quick. Like if you're working on a movie, you know. Um, I worked a little bit on the uh, at the beginning on this the SpongeBob two movie yeah, yeah. Uh, before I went over to Uncle Grandpa and uh, you work a scene and then you work you work it again and yeah. it's just it's just such a slow process of of keep, you keep working it and you know and then somebody else will work it and then somebody else will work it and and by the time the film was done you know I had like maybe like 30 seconds of gags yeah. left in the in the thing because I didn't stick around. Sure. You know, yeah. it just gets all like worked and I, out. And I worked it. on the whole thing and I think I had 30 seconds of gags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a lot of people who work on SpongeBob that grew up with it? What is that like? What is, what? Our, almost our entire crew now <laughs> yeah. has, has grown up with it. I bet, yeah. Uh, what does that add to the dynamic? I mean, are people geeking out constantly? Uh, do, I, do they feel like they they know? They're like, I know SpongeBob because they. I know. think they do come with a whole set of. They understand what makes this little guy and all of his friends tick. <laughs> um, the, oddly, the, the biggest change I would say, and it's it's great, is actually the the uh, the amount of women on our crew now. When I started in at, uh, at Deke, if you were a woman in animation, they were going to politely escort you over to the color department and say, "Well, you can sit around here somewhere." Totally. And now we have we have women on our crew that draw SpongeBob way better than I'm ever going to draw SpongeBob, <laughs> and it's just it's refreshing to see, and it's you know it's a different outlook, and it's just you know 
It's that's, nice. That's awesome. And that's we're not really all, cool. you know, no, not surrounded by nothing but stinky men. What exactly does that mean, plus, when you guys send it to the plus crew? What do they do? Well, I would say putting it on model, but we don't really put it on model. We put it within the realm, the parameters that it's supposed to be, though it's not what the standard idea of what on model is, um, where we count how many grooves are going down the side of SpongeBob. <laughs> okay, that's five grooves on this side, five on this, four mm -hmm. on the top. Mm -hmm. The he's hole got, goes here. He's got the bigger the, hole, then the smaller right. hole here, then one bigger hole here. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. About half the time the boards we send don't even have holes wow. indicated or belts sometimes. That's very But impressive. it's all about the acting and the, the physical thing that's happening. But they basically make it more solid. They make sure the perspective is all true and the way we want it, whether it's true or not, sometimes we want not true perspective. And it's just more finished product. And then, uh, like I said, then we take it and goes back into animatic room and we even punch up the gags a little bit more wow. and then when that's been decided that this is the final thing it goes to our timers and they take and they translate all that movement in the storyboard into x sheets which is if you don't know an exposure sheet <laughs> is about a foot and a half long and it's got a whole lot of little lines on it and each line on it represents a frame of film and by making pencil drawings and little words on them, you can tell people how many frames you want SpongeBob to raise his arm in, whether you want it to slow in at the end or come in fast. This is, that's, I don't, I can't, I can't, I don't have the brain for that. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. The timing has always been something yeah. that's incredibly impressive. So once it's been timed out, then... Uh, then uh, at the same time, it's been, while that's been going on, we've been doing designs for the show. Any special characters, you know, like Patrick Old or you know SpongeBob Old, SpongeBob with the new, beard. New costumes and new stuff. New costumes. Yeah. Um, BGs are designed and painted, and that's all while the the timing is going on. So hopefully, by the time that the timing is done and all the BGs and all the design Backgrounds. elements are done, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we st we pack it all up into a nice package and we send it off to Rough Draft Korea. That's and those crazy. guys have been those guys are. are the most amazing draftsmen. They're they're so good, and they've been doing the show guys for so and long. gals. Yeah, <laughs> guys and yeah. gals. Yeah, for I'm years sorry. they've yeah. been doing it for years. Yeah. They've been doing it for years. So so we've gotten to the point on the show where we can be a little looser in the boards that we send them because they know how to put all the ridges in and where the the holes go and all that stuff. Yeah, that's so and cool. they're uh, they seem kind of excited about the new way we're doing it. There's, for a little while, SpongeBob did get a little on model focused and when mark and i took over we definitely were pushing away from that and going we're going to go back to cartoonier sillier acting and less focus on that and i think it is actually excited it, i know it's excited our crew here even though it's 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 more work because it's a lot more drawings um the final product you get to be really proud of it's yeah and, and i think in korea it's the same way at rough draft korea they you know for years they were working on spongebob and when they would be standing in a bar and someone says, what are you working on? They go, you thing called SpongeBob. Nobody knew it. Mm -hmm. But now they actually, when they're out, they get to get the same thing we get, which is, <laughs> you work on SpongeBob? <laughs> so it's animated, yeah. then shipped back to you guys. Yes. And then it's not quite done. Has the music been worked on at this point yet? Or does, um, is that, does that come in that now comes, at this that point? That comes in after, unless specifically, like, you know, there are certain certain episodes that have had music built in from the beginning, like uh, Mimic Madness mm -hmm. had a song by Doug Lawrence and uh, then composed uh, or orchestrated by, or arranged by Evan Schlater. Mm -hmm. that, or if there's a dance sequence, yeah. like in uh, Sharks versus Pods, we had a piece of music that that was actually time to but generally it's when we get the film back we will uh we'll have nick carr in 
and go through a, go through an episode and you know uh, Mark and I and actually Mark's great because he has all he's got music reference library in his head because he he eats music <laughs> like it's candy. So music and sound effects is happening at the same time. Yeah. We send it off to our, our, our good man Jeff, and then uh, he sends us back basically the show with a ton of sound effects on it, and we'll watch it through listening to it, and sometimes we'll ask for something else or something specific or say more of this or less of that. Um, we and, do the same with the music, too. Yeah. He'll, he'll give us a, his pass on the music, and then yeah. we'll go through it. And, you know, usually... It, it usually it works, yeah, but yeah, every works. once in a while we'll have something that's like, oh, this is not quite hitting the mood we were wanting, so can we hit it again with something more like this? Gotcha, gotcha. And, and again, nobody's precious with their work. Everybody's like, yay, let's yeah, do it. I've got 40 and, other more cartoons right. of this to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes, Nick, you know, he'll really surprise us. It's uh, on Mall Girl Pearl. Uh, he did the, the beginning of Mall Girl Pearl where he actually had his wife sing uh it's kind of a ya ya song <laughs> beginning and had his wife sing that and it's great yeah I was, I was really pleased with it that is so cool so you guys have been doing spongebob for years we're at over 200 episodes yep. and counting how do you guys keep it fresh that's what the hard do you, part that's the hard part we try not to repeat ourselves mm -hmm. obviously mm -hmm. but it's you know it's impossible not to when you've done that many uh and it's sort of a contained world we we don't try and worry about that as much we mm -hmm. just try and, and like like really get behind the ideas that we're we're doing and we try and make them as good as we can. And a lot of times the fans will be the ones that'll point out <laughs> later on, oh, that was kind of like that episode. It's or, a little like seven oh three and that one was a little bit like six oh two and it's a, but it's a little piece of each of them. But I think they did this one better. It's just <laughs> Yeah. So That's we just incredible. we just try and like like be as pure with the sure. and and true to the ideas in the moment and not really worry as much about all that because even if it reflects or, or seems similar to an idea we're probably going to hit it from a different angle yep. and it's probably going to be a different uh, take on that totally we're all a little bit older a little bit wiser so you guys are talking about you know living in that moment focusing on that story and not thinking so much about the past are you guys thinking about the future what do you guys see as the future for SpongeBob SquarePants? It's so funny, like <laughs> like every couple of months I, I get a, a sort of a, a small crisis where I'm like, oh my God, oh my gosh, there's there's no more ideas that we can come up with. We've done it all. Well, it's dry. And, and it's so weird, like we always come up with something new. It's yeah. just like, it's like the, the, the deadlines, the pressure, they force us to to come up with something. Well, and, I think that's, yeah, that's a testament. Sometimes life presents, you know, ideas. You know, of something course. actually happens to you and you can work it into the story. <laughs> Yay! I have so many features, it makes it hard to tell. I don't know what my first name is, but my face is ring a bell. Who am I? 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 Hello! What would your advice be to your young self when you were just starting out in animation? Um, just you know, just stick with it. Stick with the thing that you want to do because eventually, if you if you stick with it long enough, it'll ha that at least in my life that's yeah. that's how it worked out. You know, I didn't get into animation until I was in my late thirties. So when I finally got into it, you know, it 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 all sort of blossomed. It was but, definitely ready. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> you you know you really have to kind of like like really just stick in there, and it's it can be tough. You know, because you may not be getting a lot of traction, but if you stick with it long enough, it, you know, it becomes part of you and yep. you actually like start to project it and people can read that and 
you know, you also get the skills. I mean, that's the other thing is yeah. you have to put a lot, a lot. Yeah, that's something so. I discovered is, <laughs> is you know, you you get better when you draw 40 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main advice I give is I pencil hours, draw, 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 draw. Yeah. Um, one rule that, uh, you know, I when I was a kid, I tell people to avoid, it's like, see the people you like, draw what they're doing, figure out what they're doing. See, when I was when I was a teenager, I thought that was cheating. So I didn't draw other people's work. And that set me back about eight years <laughs> with not learning how to draw a thigh from that angle or whatever. Yeah. Because I thought I was being true to my art. Um, <laughs> don't be true to your art. Go and study everybody else's. And then your art will pile on top of theirs. Don't get focused on one guy and just draw like Wally Wood, but draw like everybody that you love and figure out what they're doing. And the next and biggest note is don't be a jerk. I don't care how well you draw. I don't care how funny you are. If you are a jerk to the people around you in this communal process, people will stop calling you. Because it is a very small, tight community. Yeah, yeah totally. And it's all about the the, uh, the relationships you make. That's how you keep moving forward is, you know, all, all my jobs in animation have come uh, through recommendations. I haven't really had to like go cold and, you know, try out. I mean, that might have happened a few times in the beginning. But once you get in, you make good relationships, you do good work, people try to get you on their production. Try yeah. to get you on their production. Because <laughs> yeah. they like you and they want to <laughs> hang out and keep working with you. They know you're good and easy to work with. Exactly. Thank you guys so much, Thanks, Mark and Vincent, for coming in. This was fantastic. And uh, on behalf of all of the fans of SpongeBob, thank you so much. And we cannot wait to see more stuff. Thank you. Oh, it's coming. Well, that was our conversation with some of the brains behind the sponge. Huge thanks to Vince and Mark for coming in and sharing some of their time and their stories. There's nothing I love more than learning about SpongeBob himself. I feel like he's a close personal friend. So huge thanks to Vince and Mark. You're not going to want to miss an episode of the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. So please come back, visit us next week on nickanimationpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes and tons of bonus content. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez Eberhardt, Kelly Smith, Andrew Huebner. Original music by Useful Creatures. This week's episode edited by Josh Caldwell, Jonathan Highlander. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians. Sammy Armager, David Watson, and thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Grova. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast, and keep watching cartoons. Cartoons.